And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Animaniacast. And welcome, everybody, once again to the Animaniacast. This, of course, is the podcast that's dedicated to the animated television series Animaniacs, as well as other shows within the Rugerverse such as Pinky and the Brain, Tiny Toon Adventures, and Freakazoid. And today, I am back from Des Moines Con. Des Moines! What a wonderful, wonderful adventure I had with Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg. Really at a fantastic convention. Uh, Des Moines Con was held uh, right at the beginning of June this year, 2023, and had a bunch of fantastic guests a bunch of fantastic people as well uh, going over there. And we had a really great, fun panel that we're going to be sharing audio uh, with you today. Uh, this is for, of course, the 30th anniversary of Animaniacs. And the folks at Des Moines uh, were there to ask some very important questions for Tom and Paul. But I will say that if you are interested in having Tom and Paul go to your convention, uh, wherever that is in the world, uh, we'd love to send them over. So head on over to get this website, Water Tower Talent. That's right, watertowertalent.com. And you'll see more information about Tom and Paul as well as how to get them booked. Okay? Uh, of course, the most important thing is if you are interested in having Paul and Tom come to your convention, let your convention know. You can always reach out to them on their websites. And, uh, hey, we'd love to come and see you. So hopefully we'll continue to see uh, more folks throughout the country, throughout the, who knows, maybe even the world uh, in the upcoming months. But until then, uh, I'd like to say thank you one more time to the folks at Des Moines Con. Just really a fantastically run organization. Um and a really uh, amazing convention with uh, amazing people working there, uh, amazing volunteers and fans. It was so great to sit. I was lucky enough to sit at Tom's table that weekend and just help him and meet, you know, tons of different people, uh, talk to them all about Animaniacs and all the other shows, of course, that Tom has worked on throughout the years. And right next to me, I had Paul Rugg, who is, you know, joking around, making, you know, just being hilarious as usual. So just a fantastic time, great memories. And, uh, oh, I should also say our next episode, we will be talking about, once again, the Animaniacs reboot. And just because we love you so much, we're going to be talking about two episodes, episode five and episode six of season three of the Animaniacs reboot. So you get a double dose of Animaniacs reboot talk on our next episode. But for right now, let's go ahead and get to our Animaniacs panel audio from Des Moines Con 2023. Uh, before the mic's come on, hi, I'm Tom Ruger. Nice to see all of you. Hi, Tom. Hi. We'll get all the, the stuff going in a second, but I, as many of you may know, this is uh, the year, this year is the 30th anniversary 
uh, Animaniacs. We went on the air in 1993. That's the math. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it's all important for all of you to know that 30th anniversary is the Pearl anniversary. Ooh. And we we're ready for. I'll wear one. A little pearl necklace or an earring. Uh, we're, we're registered at Tiffany's. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just feel as generous as you want to be. Or, uh, you, after this, if you haven't stopped by, come down to, uh, there's, there are booths. Yes. And tell us, tell us about the booths. Where there's a myriad of joy awaits you. Uh, <laughs> Mom and I booths right next to each other. We will delight you. Uh, he will draw, he will sign things, I will agree with him. <laughs> so please, do, do come and join, because it's only going to be like 15 minutes left, and it's a very long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, no, we now will uh, introduce us. We yeah. were never here. No, no, we no, 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 uh, hi everybody, my name is Joey. We're here at Des Moines Con. Hi Des Moines Con! Yes, my name is Ed, as Tom and Paul said, that's Joey. And yes, I'm one of the hosts of the Animating Cast. It's actually, if you're into Animating I encourage you to check out the Animating Cast. It's an all Animating podcast. But we also talk about, well, other shows in what we call the Ruderverse. Such as Tiny Two Adventures, Pinky Brain, and Freakazoid. Without further ado, let's go and get to our panel. Let's go and introduce, first of all, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy right here. It's Mr. Tom Rupert, the creator of Animating Access. Tom Rupert! Tom Rupert! I told you. I've got a little bit. Here we go. We need it. Oh, my, my, my. And the next one, we have, of course, he's a writer. No. He, he is. He's a writer. He is a voice actor. He's a puppeteer. He's also one of the funniest men I know on the planet. It's Mr. Paul Rudd. Hi! Oh, my, my, my. I even have a him. I'll tell a little story. I do want your questions, so please have your questions ready. The, the show, uh, we developed the show uh, a couple years ahead of 1993 when it premiered, and uh, we had made Tiny Tunes and that was a hit. So, so Mr. Spielberg and Warner Brothers, uh, they came to me and they said, what do you want to do next? And Steve said, maybe you should do the Puppy Duck Show. And I said, oh no, we're done. We're done with Tiny Tunes. We can't do any more. We'll die. So, <laughs> so I said, we have some other ideas. So, uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, I mentioned this to you already. Uh, Saturday morning, I went to Mr. Spielberg's house with Dean McCurdy, uh, my, my boss, and Sherry Stoner, and uh, we had milk and cookies, which we thought we'd uh, no cereal, and seemed like just being grateful for the milk and cookies. And uh, we pitched the show to him. Uh, we pitched. Uh, different segments of the show that uh, came to be Animaniacs. And we had stand-ups like this tall of the different characters. And I, I, uh, I had the, the, the Pink in the Rain theme song already written, the words to it. And, and, uh, and he liked the idea of Pink in the Rain, but he said, oh, I want to hear the theme song. So I had written it to uh, Singing in the Rain, which 
So all the words to the pig and rank things on, if you know those words, you'll, you'll realize that, yes, they totally fits with singing and writing. We're pink in the brain, they're pink in the brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. They're loud, they're mice, they're beans and spice. They're pinky, they're pinky in the brain. And it is a soul. And so we had a bunch of different uh, segments where we were uh, pitching, and he he said he didn't want to do any of us. Uh, we have enough character. We get in a run. We have pink in the brain. Let's not do any of us. And then uh, take Catshaw and their back to today, a bunch of kids. Uh, and they were all pretty young. One of them was like a two-year-old toddler. And he came toddling in, and he walked up to the little Mindy stand-up, beautiful Mindy, and he said, I like her. And, and Stephen said, Mindy and Buttons are back in. <laughs> that's how they, uh, they made it. Uh, Mr. Rudd, tell us tell something interesting. Oh, dear. Uh, uh, so... Well, what would you guys like to know? All right. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. It's been a long time. Uh, when I had never been in animation in my life, I was doing sketch comedy. I was doing, um, I was doing a, a sketch comedy show at Acme Comedy Theater when Tom and Sherry Stoner, who, by the way, Sherry Stoner is one of, the, one of our, our uh, story editors and also the model from Mario the original? I don't know. Uh, so they were looking for someone to sort of do that sort of um, uh, Marx Brothers writing and stuff. So that, I mean, this was my, literally my first, my first job. And uh, it's been my, the most fun I've ever had. But what, what we did was we basically did the Marx Brothers. Um, yeah, Yakko, who was Groucho. Wacko, who was uh, Harpo. Harpo. And Doc, who was Chico. Chico, sure. Uh, and, but... So we really tried to keep that energy to it. And um, so you're, you're kind of working. So that's where we started. But as we, as we continued writing, it started the Marx Brothers, but then they sort of came into their, came, came into their own. Um, and it was, I have to tell you, it was the most fun we sort of ever had because normally now when you show their notes from a million different people, all we had to please in writing. And we wrote along with the writing group was Tom Brewer and Stephen Tobin. And Stephen, Stephen was a story liked it. And someone else came in and said, I think you should pick it up. Go, Stephen liked it. <laughs> and I like it. And just continue on with it. Uh, and he, he was a great boss to have. He loved the show. Um, and he sometimes would add things to it that I didn't always understand, but it was always fun. Um, anyway, that's all I have to say. But I think we should get from you <laughs> I think that's a great idea. In fact, I have the microphone right here, so what I'll do, I think, is I can go out into the crowd. That's crazy. That's insanity. <laughs> I, I want to tell a story about Paul okay. Rudd. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mr. Rudd. So, uh, uh, Einstein created the theory of relativity, and I have no idea if this was related to it, but E equals MC squared has something to do with that. Yes. E equals MC squared. So Paul Rudd wrote this cartoon that's called Cookies for Einstein. And the Warner Brothers are they were in uh, They were in Burn Settlement. <laughs> and so they were selling uh, like Boy Scout cookies or uh, anyway, they were going door to door and they they bothered Mr. Einstein who was trying to do his work on his equation to be able to square and that sort of thing. And uh, 
So Paul Rugg is trying to come up with the ending of this cartoon, and Paul is nothing if not uh, a tortured artist. <laughs> he really, you know, he really is. He's really funny. He's really and so he's so funny that he keeps his uh, standards. He didn't want to turn in a script that he thinks is in gold, and so you know he does torture himself on that. But uh, this is going to be real hard for all of you to see. But uh, so he came in and finally said, "I had a cartoon epiphany." And would you like to explain what that means? Yes. So uh, I'm trying to figure out how uh, how we could get to E equals MC squared. I mean, so basically, the idea is that the Warner Brothers give Albert Einstein the theory of relativity equals MC squared. Now, I can't ever get there. Uh, but then Acme, well, Acme is a Warner Brothers trope. It's a company that everything comes from. And the kids were selling Acme of Kids Got Cookies. Uh, so, so what I did was, it occurred to me one day, this is my wife actually, um, Acme, if you put Acme backwards, uh, it's E equals MC squared. Um, and I was like, and I read it to and I go, I figured it out. And this is like, I normally tell them to give us a week to write a script, but this one was going on like two weeks. And I was like, I don't know. So I was very excited. Well, it, it really, it, that to me, I don't know how... You do that. I think that's just genius. <laughs> that too turned into the A of Acme. It's great. Anyway, uh, let's see. What are some other things we should tell you about? Uh, uh, Stephen didn't want to make the show unless he had a marquee name. Um, I had my own cartoon of Epiphany one day, so he wanted a marquee name. I said, You have a marquee name, Mr. Spielberg. And uh, he said, No, I no, no, no. I'm talking about, you know, like a, a name of a title, like, a, you know, Fucky Duck? No, no, no. Okay. So I'm walking across the lot uh, after a meeting, and I see the water tower. And on the water tower, of course, that big shield that has WB on it, which is sort of the Warner Brothers marquee. And I had my cartoon of Tiffany where, wait, I don't know if we can do this, but if we can name these characters the Warner Brothers, that could be their house, basically, up there. Uh, the WB is their symbol for them. And... Uh, that's kind of a marquee name. So uh, I called Mr. Spielberg, and you know I had some art, and then I had to peek it out of the shield, and he, uh, he he went for it. So that's how they wound up living in a water tower and being the uh, of to do with why they're the lunatics that they are. <laughs> and these are all uh, pencil tests from before the show went on the air. And all those things are uh, very early pencil tests by Rich Aarons and the entire. Uh, animation staff of the studio. All done, uh, almost all done in right in LA. Yeah, and you can see some of the looks. Uh, like this is before they had whiskers on their cheeks and everything, right? right? Can you tell us a little bit about that whole Paul Rudd got a picture of this thing that was on a tower. And I, oh, I don't know where did the balloon come from. So we, uh, for our premiere, Jim McCurdy, who's the best boss in the world, she was president of Warner Brothers Animation. We thought it would be funny if there were huge balloons that went up to the top of the Warner Brothers uh, Tower and it was jacked by the And that's what we did. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars we spent making these big balloons and on our premiere day, jacked by were on the actual uh, Warner Brothers Tower. Anyway, uh, it just so happens that was it President Warner Brothers? Yeah, Bob Daly, who ran the studio. President Warner Brothers, uh, who I guess didn't really know what anyone was doing, uh, he wanted to know why Mickey Mouse was on the water. 
And we were like, wait, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, what? And, uh, and then he's like, yeah, the Mickey Mouse is on the water tower. Two of them, and one of them looks really weird. Uh, and uh, and we are like, get them down now. And as soon as they went up there, uh, they were taken down. And, and I think they were burning Yeah, they, 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 they reappeared about 10, 15 years later at a Burning Man festival <laughs> of all things. Yakko, Wacko, and Dot Inflatables. So somebody saved, who knows where they are these days. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they burned up. They, uh, they called us into the front office. And you don't want that when they call you in the front yeah, office. Who, who, who is, uh, what is this thing? And so we've been making this for a couple of years. And he said, and he literally, uh, he said, bring in the model sheets. And he was concerned they looked too much like Mickey Mouse. So on that day, Bob Bailey took a pencil on the drawing of the echo and said, if we put whiskers right here on the edge of his cheek there, it's not. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we put that, that will satisfy me. So uh, at that moment, um, we, we sent all the overseas studios and they were all, they spent the next month putting whiskers on every drawing they ever made of the characters. And if you look carefully on some, I think on uh, the first episode of the Mr. Director, there's a couple of shots where you can still see Yakko without the whiskers. So there's a, there's a few who look very adorable without the whiskers, too. Uh, um, early on in the process with uh, working with Mr. Silver on the Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs, the same Fine. And he's a great guy, Bob Bailey. Uh, but he ran the studio pretty carefully. And he called me in along with Gene McCurdy, our boss, and said, uh, Now, do you know uh, what will be the sign that you have succeeded? Uh, what, what, your, what your job here is uh, in, in working on these cartoons? What do you think that is? And Gene McCurdy and I, you know, just to make the best dark cartoons on earth, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's not really what, what your job is. What, what, what is, uh, to get great ratings? No, 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 no not, not that. Uh, how about uh, to get, uh, I might, I'm beeping. My wife. Uh, uh, to uh, just, uh, to get maybe to win awards? No, no. Your job on making these cartoons is to please Steven Spielberg. We want to be in business with Mr. Spielberg. We want him to like working with Warner Brothers so that he'll make some of his, you know, billion-dollar box office movies with us. And uh, so, if he's happy with you, then that's a good step. But if he is never unhappy with you, you are out of here. And uh, so we that was our job. He seemed unhappy. And then he became DreamWorks, so no big deal. <laughs> Do any of you folks out there have some questions for either Tom or Paul about Animaniacs? I will rush out to you. Here we go. Don't rush too quickly and fall. We're not in shirt. Hi, Paul. Hi, Tom. Nice to see you again. That's a, that's a wonderful shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You sold it. Thank you. <laughs> I love, also love the talk uh, that we had yesterday. Uh, so one of my questions, and I have several, so I got it. So I got to make sure everyone, I got to make sure I give everyone the time. Yeah. So how much 
of the script writing was telling the voice actors and the animators to do this, and how much of it was just, okay, we kind of like that mistake, let's put that in. Like, improvised. Uh, so, um, a lot of, it, it was pretty much, it was written. So, there was not a lot of, 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 of going off script. Uh, the words we wrote are pretty much the words in the, in the, in the script. Uh, or the words that, that they said. Uh, there, is, there was improvisation in sort of a stylistic kind of way to do things. Like when Rob would go, you know, that sort of, and that, that came from him. And then they're like, okay, great. So it both sort of influenced each other. Um, but I'm a dreadful writer insofar as you always say it to us. You know, I mean, I, 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 and that's our comic was too. But if things happened, we would put it, put it in. But uh, we pretty much, um, yeah, we yeah, did it. There's, 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 a, there's a kind of melody to the dialogue. I mean, that's not funny, but I mean, a, a, a joke well told will often have very specific words to pay off. Um, also, just about the writing, um, people say, well, what was the writing room like? And just for you, and writing, I think you all know that they talk about it a lot, uh, that, that a lot of shows nowadays are made with, you know, 12 people in a room, and they break the script down, and they figure it all out, and then, uh, and then they do the next one. Well, uh, tell them about our writing room, Paul. Uh, we didn't have one. Ah, uh, basically. Uh, we would, uh, there were, uh, yeah, yeah or Peter Hastings, Sherry Stoner, John McCann, Randy Rogel. Uh, and Nicholas Hollander. We would just go to Tom's office and say, what do you got? And I go, oh, I think I want to have uh, the lawyers go after Einstein. Great. Bye. That's fine. Just bring it back and we can have her fine. No. Uh, but, but normally, so let me tell you what he's done these days. It's like, we'll be like, I don't know, I'd like to write go after Einstein. Great. Put that in a little paragraph. And then you put them all paragraph, and then great. From here, put it in a longer paragraph, and it kills everything. The way we wrote it was: we go, we come up, what we're going to do? We have a that, and come back, and here's the script, and then you go, I would change this, 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 and this. Um, it's not the way it's done today, but it was. If you like animals, if you like freaky toys, like King and Ray, you like all that, that stuff, they were freaky toys. Um, of course, we would go into each in everybody's room and say, "Hey, you know, uh, let's uh, keep coming with this joke." And one of the biggest examples was when Peter Hastings came into, I think it was John McCann, and I was standing there. And he goes, "I'm trying to think about this joke for Peaky and the Brain." Where the Brain says, "What are you doing tonight?" Uh, well, no, he goes, "Are you thinking what I'm pondering what I'm pondering?" And that was just Peter Griffin in the room and stuff. So sometimes that would happen. But basically, you know what I'm through, they're very bad. Don't like them. Another question right over here. Hello, Tom. Paul, nice to see you again. Also, Paul, thank you for signing my MAX again. You're welcome. And what was your all time favorite song in any of the MAX? Like, any, like, just make theme song or on the other shows? I have several. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a few, but I'm going to start with, uh, I would say, I think the most meaningful and, and heartwarming and popular song from the whole series, and here to perform that now. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rowe. I think I know what you're talking about. This one really it touches me deeply. <clears throat> when the whippoorwill wavers in the wind, 
Crying machine. <laughs> 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 
And so cartoons are different than real life, though. So that means take Sydney to a town in Arizona, uh, yeah. and she has Sydney meet uh, uh, the, the actress who played Bundy's mom, Mia Wallin. She was a, 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 a dear, and she there it is. Oh, of course, Sydney. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was curious when you were doing the show if you ever got any feedback from Jerry Lewis or his attorneys. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we ever did. Did we ever? Did we ever? No, we got. We got. We did a Noah's Lark. We did. We did a Noah's Lark cartoon. We did get letters from Richard Lewis's attorneys. Richard Lewis is another comedian, and we had him not only uh, playing the role of Noah, and uh, in other words, someone doing a voice like Richard Lewis, and the caricature of Noah is the character of Richard Lewis. But the mistake was we also had him doing Richard Lewis's material. <laughs> So that's that's the, the perfect uh, the, the, the trick that's yeah. You can't do all three. And they said, No, please don't do that again. Uh, and we had uh, the only other letter uh, I recall that was uh, questioning, and none of them resulted in lawsuits. Thank God. So the other one was uh, at the very beginning of Woodstock Slappy. Uh, we did like we did something like that. Is that the band? Who was that? In anyway, uh, we got a, we got a, a letter about that. That was a little too close. <laughs> and of course, I think you should tell people about the monkey song right at the right the first episode. Right, the first episode of Animaniacs was desanitized. Something Paul wrote that's, that really sets up the relationship between the Warners and Doctor Scratch and Sniff, and really funny cartoon. And we followed that with the monkey song, which was had everybody in the cast done uh, singing and, and moving around during a performance of uh, a parody of Harry Belafonte's uh, monkey song, which is uh, nothing in the world the monkey won't do. You know, one Monday morning I woke up, there was a monkey outside my gate, and so this monkey torments Harry Belafonte. So we took it and. Uh, and I went to the legal department months before I said, we're, we're doing this. And they researched it, and it said, uh, it all was traditional. So they said, traditional, that's got to be public domain. Go, go for it, just do it. <laughs> and so, uh, so we did, uh, the, 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 world, the monkeys won't do it. The, the warriors were playing the monkeys, and they were tormenting scratches and other characters. So about, uh, the Friday before we went on the air, uh, the legal department calls and says, hey, did we clear this? <laughs> and I said, I said, well, you said it was traditional and we're good. And we go, yeah, we did say that. But it turns out Harry Belafonte wrote it. <laughs> and so that would be traditional would be something from like 1880. Uh, if Harry Belafonte wrote it, it's probably copyrighted. Uh, anyway, so the legal department was on the phone all weekend with Harry Belafonte's people, and so that we could air the show on Monday, and it worked out. Yeah, just barely. We have a question over here from 
a younger fan right over here. Who plays um, Dot's voice? That would be Tress McNeil, uh, who's an amazing voice actress, and she's amazing. She can do like all kinds of things. She can do old ladies, and she can do young kids, and she's amazing. Hey, do you, uh, have you ever watched uh, Mickey's Clubhouse? Have you ever seen? Uh, she does Daisy, Daisy Duck's voice as well on that. Uh, and she does, uh, she's a regular on The Simpsons. She does voice every week on The Simpsons, and she's very wealthy now. Out of all the ideas you had, uh, besides the whiskers, um, What's the smallest change or the smallest idea you had that meant the most to you for the Armenians? That meant, that meant the, the most? Gee, the change that meant the most? I don't know. Uh, getting getting a raise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really small. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, this, is, this was a... Uh, it took, this was a minor change. It didn't mean a lot to me, but... It, uh, we made some cartoons with Minerva Mink, and uh, there was a point where uh, the cartoons, so we had a great company in Chicago making some of our cartoons. They did a lot of the best sloppy squirrel cartoons and Mink cartoons. And so they made a Minerva Mink cartoon, and she had a whole lot of cleavage. She, had, she was very exotic. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> and she was very Marilyn Monroe-like, and so, but she had this line, a line there. So she had a dress up, there was a line there that indicated a lot of cleavage, and Gene uh, McCurdy really objected to it. So we had star tunes go back onto the cell, so we already shot, so we were just on the air. <laughs> and, and they went and they scraped off the the, uh, the Xerox ink lines for some of those extra cleavage shots. And now you know. <laughs> See, today, today we would they would do it uh, on the computer. It'd be easy to get rid of it, but we had the, we were still making it camera and cell. Alright, so we saw some of your favorite uh, episodes. Were there any of like the smaller uh, side characters that you wanted to do more of, or that you really liked like hmm. doing those? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. There was a character I wrote uh, once, and he never got seen again, called Charlton Woodchuck. Um, and Charlton... And he, and he turned his head like this, and it was Jeff Bennett doing an impression of Truman Capote. Uh, it was about, it was about a, 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 a woodchuck who wants to be famous in Hollywood, but he doesn't have the talent for it. And he's in like a, a Disney, he's, going to, he's been a cast in a Disney nature film, and he basically gets the credit beat out of him. Um, and, and, yeah, and Frank Oker did the best Rex Howell. You guys probably don't know, but he didn't need to do the nature job. I'm chopping with a lonesome cougar. And later to that hair again. And, uh, and, uh, and it was just chopping, just literally getting mauled by a bear repeatedly. Um, and probably great delight. Uh, I kind of And, um, we aired, I think, once. And that's back then when we would follow the, this is when the Arminian first started, so we would go on various chat groups and see what anime and things, and that, that eventually led to, we 
please, please, please get a life foundation, which is another thing. Um, but anyway, and they, and, oh my gosh, almost every each and everyone hated trouble with us. And it broke my heart. <laughs> it really did. Had it, and he was so fun, and I could just destroy him. And that's it. That's just my little magic. And he had left his home to go to Hollywood. Yeah. And he kept meeting people that were meeting him. And he gave a list. Yeah. And he would just say, he would say, could I have your name, please? Oh. And people would tell him, he'd go, good. And when I did, they found me at a point not to like you. <laughs> Anyways, stop calling. The ones that got away. Uh, let's see, what we didn't get to make, um, we, we tried, tried to, we, we did a political song uh, about uh, the Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. And it was a famous Judy Garland song where Judy Garland sang a song to Clark Gable. And uh, it was based on that song so that it was Dot singing, you know, Dear Mr. Gingrich, when may I call you Newt? <laughs> I just thought I would write you and tell you I cute. <laughs> uh, and it went on and on, and, and Stephen said, and it was really mean, it was horrible to the new parents. And Stephen said, I hate him so much, I don't even want to have him mention him. <laughs> I want to... I I went one of them. I've been working on, uh, at uh, MNAs for three months, and uh, I talked to Tom, and we were going to do um, um, Green Eggs and and it was going to be uh, Yakko. Was it Yakko? Yeah. It was Yakko going into President Bush, uh, the senior's uh, office, and it was going to call broccoli because President Bush didn't like broccoli. And it was, it was, uh, it was basically green eggs and ham, but with broccoli. And, um, and the reason I remember this is uh, I had been working there, and Tom called me in his office. I had written it. We would always send everything to Stephen. And Tom runs it. He calls me in his office, and I'm like, oh, no, what? What did I do? And I go to his office, and Tom takes a piece of paper, and he hands it to me, like he says, you just got this. And I, and I looked at it, and it was, it was a fax from Stephen. And it said, you know, Paul Rudd, and I'm like, I don't want to read the rest of And it said, and I forget, but I remember calling my wife, and, uh, and it was, uh, dear Paul, I just read uh, Broccoli. And it's a wonderful little script. I'm very happy, delighted. Keep up the good work. And I almost died. <laughs> and then Clinton got elected. So they said, you're not making that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but I got a memo. Anyway. And yet, yes. as you may recall, we did use it in hysteria. Yes. We, we, we resurrected the exact script and uh, waste not long. <laughs> yes. All right, over here. Um, so I grew up in Puerto Rico, so uh, the, one of the most popular ones, uh, the cartoons that were in Puerto Rico, it was the Pinky in the Brain. Can you sing a couple lines of the theme song? <laughs> I don't remember. It's been a while. Well, how were they called, though? What were they? Uh, Pinky Cerebro. <laughs> so I, I just was wondering uh, uh, how much involvement do you guys got in the translation of how that went from English to Spanish? Because I know sometimes the translation spent so much it's kind of lost in the well, translation. We were involved only in the, sh the choosing of the 
voice act, the sound of the voice actors in the different countries. Uh, Andrea Romano, our voice director, would get when Warner Brothers arranged to have the, sh the show dubbed into whatever language it was being dubbed into, we would get uh, basically the audition the audition tapes of the various actors auditioning for the roles, and we would have a say in. Which which one was the closest to like you know Rita or Runter? Because you know like Runter was like uh, Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man, you know. And I don't know if it corresponded to that well. Uh, I mean, sometimes you get a voice like how were the words in, in the, the days? Have you seen it in English too? No. No. Oh, um. At the time, my English was not so good, so I, my dad was not like, promoting it. Oh, so I didn't really get to. Afterwards, now I have heard it. Well, that's what I mean. The, the, the voices that you saw in your, the, the, bird, the Spanish version in Puerto Rico, you know, the voices seem similar to what we had here? Yeah, we, can, we kind of close, yeah. That's, Great. That's good. So that's good. We did our job. Yeah. <laughs> could, you, could you tell us, hello, nurse, in Spanish, please? Hello, nurse, but in Spanish. Hola enfermera. Hola. Hola enfermera. That's that. That'll get you. Uh, it's me again. Uh, so uh, after hearing uh, some of the segments that were kind of one-off, like Charlie the Woodchuck, which is Charlton? Charlton. Our pain artist, really. Which of the seg which of the segments of you know the main the main segments were the most fun to write? Fun. <laughs> fun. It was never fun. <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't fun. The, 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 it, it was it was hard. I mean, you know, we worked really hard, and, and it was all you know you always. This, this was, was an opportunity to just really try it. So it was, it was never, never fun. Let me tell you what was fun. When, when you would written it, when Tom was like, I like it, Stephen would get a memo, everyone's happy, you record it, and then the most fun of the whole process was going to a scoring session. I don't know if you guys know, we had like a 40 to 50 piece orchestra, every single cartoon. They didn't do it that way anymore. It was on stage one at Warner Brothers, and it was incredible. Uh, oh, it was violins, calling everything. And Richard Stone, God bless him, uh, he, he was amazing. And we, we called him the great Stone Stone. That was the fun part. When you could finally let go and let Richard Stone ruin it. <laughs> uh, I think one of the, main, the amazing uh, fun moments when I saw it coming together was uh, we recorded Maurice LaMarche burping. A uh, whole bunch of birds, just different <laughs> And a fellow named Russell Brower, who was our sound effects editor, he did all the sound effects for all the tiny tunes and animations. We sent him this library of birds from Maurice and Mark. And then we said, Would, and, and Russell's a musician, a very talented composer as well. Russell, could you take those birds and Make a version of Jingle Bells on them. <laughs> <laughs> and make a version of uh, three or four songs did. So these became the great Walker, the great Walker body Hollywood Bowl uh, appearances, where he would come out looking very distinguished, and he would proceed to burp to Jingle Bells or uh, combine them some of the other songs. And 
they were great, they were disgusting, and uh, we were putting out an album uh, for Iron Man, so it really was like the perfect album to put uh, a CD in your car, you're driving your kids to school, and you sing along with Iron Man, and uh, I put all the burp songs in the album. Then I got this woman, uh, uh, you know, didn't have to be a woman, it could have been a man, but in this case it was, hello, uh, this is Marie from, uh, from Warner Brothers Global uh, Merchandising, and uh, we, we just listened to the, uh, the 10th version of the album, and we can't put those horrible burp songs on the album. We'll get letters. We'll give you her name and number. <laughs> we have time for just a couple more questions, so we'll get here and here. But then, uh, of course, going downstairs in just a little bit, we'll have time for just a few more saying hi to Tom and Paul. Yeah, if you, if you want to come down, please come by the booth right after this. Yes, indeed. Hey, fellas. Hi. Uh, quick question. I know that you guys weren't involved with the reboot of the show, which... We yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I saw but I'm curious, what were some things that you would have changed or put into the new version of Animaniacs that they didn't? We don't know. We don't know what they put in, right? Yeah, yeah I actually, I don't have Hulu, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I should get Hulu. Uh, I, I've actually never seen it. I, uh, Steve, Steve and Hugh Bernstein are one of the amazing characters. They're, they're working on it, uh, but the cast didn't. didn't. But what was interesting, I actually went in and met with them. Uh, and they were talking about, you know, you know, and uh, we help write names and stuff, but it occurred to me, and if you look at some of the lists and stuff, I wrote like 50 or whatever of them, and um, I kind of done everything I wanted to possibly do with them. And uh, then one day when I, towards the end of my writing on Animaniacs, I discovered that there was a, like a formula to it, and the moment I did, I, I didn't like writing anymore. Meaning, my voyage of discovery was done, and then everything after that is self-parody and stuff, and, and I was like, oh, I don't like that at all. And then God, thank God, um, Tom gave me free to work on it, but, but, but you know, creative things run their course, and you don't want to be. So I, I, I'm very happy with what they did with that. I mean, that's a great, 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 but I couldn't do that. Right, uh, and you know they didn't include Flappy. They didn't. That's why I, I, I hear they didn't include a lot of the characters in the original. I, I think those would be missed because it really was an ensemble cast type of event. And hopefully it's not a really long one, but. Um, First of all, I'd like to say my favorite song is Big White Universe. Um, yes. That, yeah, that, that universe. Yeah. My, when I saw that, uh, it, I, for whatever reason, I was riveted. But uh, I, when I was looking through your list... It's, it's, a, saw, great, it's a great big universe, and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. Exactly. <laughs> it's, but it still holds up today. Um, but I saw like the late Miss one in there because I was thinking about that earlier too, and I just wondered if you could just talk a little bit about your influence because the Gilbert Sullivan's done that that was brilliant. The Lame Miss are animals. Uh, Rita and Ron, of course, you have Rita, uh, Bernadette Peters singing for Rita, so you're in really good hands. It was written by Deanna Oliver. I think it's uh, the best of all the Rita and Ron cartoons. Uh, it's beautifully done. Uh, they, uh, 
and the songs are hilarious. And the interesting thing is, Anna Oliver wrote it. She had never ever seen him land it. So that's how smart Tom she is. I know. Bernadette Peters. Yeah. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Well, uh, that's all the time we have, unfortunately, for today. But thank you so much, Shaboy. You've been so fantastic. Thanks for having us over. And we'll see you downstairs if you want to see Tom Paul one last time before we head on back. Yeah, come on down. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademarking copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.